this morning, and that is what we're gonna give ourselves to in the way of big topics over the next three years. In year 2017, we're gonna be having the year of love, where we're gonna focus on loving God, loving others, and loving our community, and I'll come back to that, okay? And then we're gonna talk about, in the year 2018, we're gonna focus in on the year of hope, Okay, because the reality is uh, we live in a world where there is just a lot of hurt. And I kind of prepped this, I don't know, months back before I went into surgery with my health issues about hope. And many of you have even asked me, George, when are you going to teach on that subject matter? Well, I'm going to get to it in 2018. And we're gonna take a look at personal renewal. And we're gonna take a look at relational renewal. And then we're gonna take a look at missional renewal, which is different from community in the year of love. And then in the year of 2019, that gets us up to 2020. That's why I call it my 2020 vision. Of course, this is all predicated on the past, the Lord's will in the creek doesn't rise, right? I mean, we all know that. Um, but in the year 2019, we're gonna take a look at faith. We're gonna take a look at knowing the faith of our fathers so that we have a good foundation under us. The seven, eight basic doctrines of the Christian faith. Then we're gonna take a look at building faith in our families and what that is all about. And then lastly, we're gonna take a look at expressing our faith for the future. So that's what's gonna happen in 2019. Uh, that's what's gonna happen kind of here, big picture in, in the next three years. But this year is gonna be the year of love where we're gonna focus in on connecting, uh, loving God and, and knowing and understanding that, that he loves us, loving others, meaning our relational world, maybe our significant other, maybe our, our mate, maybe our, our family, whatever, and then loving our community. The first third of the year, we're gonna focus in on loving God through prayer. We're gonna take a look at the Lord's Prayer. If you look at it, basically there are seven, eight different parts to the Lord's Prayer. God wants to hear from you and I. It's the one way that we, we are in a loving relationship with, with Christ. And really, if you think about it, with others, right? I mean, if you never talk to the person that you say you love, well, there'd be every reason in the world to kind of question whether that's the case. When you're in love with somebody, and I know this, I'll share this story in a couple of weeks from now, you're on the phone with them all the time. I saw that with my kids, you know? I, they'd come through the door and I'd say, you got a girlfriend now, don't you? How'd you know, Dad? I know all and I see all, okay? <laughs> It's obvious the phone's ringing off the wall and they're on the phone. Never, I have boys, they never talk. Hey, how's it going in your life? Uh, okay. <laughs> now all of a sudden they're talking. You, you and I, if we're in a loving relationship, we gotta be heard. And so the first third of the year, we're gonna do a series. We're gonna start at January 22nd that I'm calling Be Heard. It is a 40-day prayer campaign. And this is what we're gonna accomplish. Some of the things that I am praying and hoping for. And that is this, we're gonna give you tools to help you pray about the things that are on your heart. We're gonna send out daily reminders. If you will allow us, we're gonna send you a text that says, hey, don't forget to pray so that you get it and you can pray mid part of the day. 
We're gonna, I'm gonna bring you in to one of my staff prayer times that I have on a regular basis, okay? Through Facebook Live so you can see how we, how I, how we as a staff pray for you. We're gonna also have a class to teach you how to fast. I don't know whether you do that or not, but my wife and I periodically, we wanna say, God, we're serious about these things that are on our hearts. On our, lot, on our hearts personally, in our marriage, with our family, our grandkids. Cheryl and I fast for our grandkids, okay? For the church. And so we're gonna be helping you understand kind of this, this discipline, this, this aspect of the Christian life. And to be honest with you, on a Wednesday, I, I can't remember when we kicked this thing off, January 22nd, we're just gonna come together for a little time of worship and we're just gonna pray. And you may be interested in that. I hope you are. I don't care whether, in one sense, can I just be honest with you? I hope this place is packed. But if it isn't and there's just one other person, Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'll go to work. And so whether it's 500, 5,000, or 50, it's cool with me. So that is what we're gonna be doing over the next three years, specifically what we're gonna be doing in this next year. Did you get it? Good, okay, great. Now, like I said, at the, end, uh, at the end of a year and the beginning of a new one, we begin to think about, you know, reflecting on the past and how we want to have things differently in the future. And a lot of times when people think in the past, they see areas where they have been hurt, where they have been injured. I call them the isms. We as people have been hurt by dozens of isms, materialism, secularism, Fatalism, racism, factionalism, terrorism, consumerism, narcissism, cynicism, okay? And what we need with these injuries is, folks, we need healing. Uh, We need healing in our economy. We need healing in our businesses, in our schools, in our city. Folks, we need healing in our church. Now, the good news about these injuries that you and I have experienced in our past, maybe from last year, maybe from many years past, is that they're not fatal. You and I are still here, okay? And that gives me hope, not optimism. It gives me hope because there is a difference, is there not, between hope and optimism. Optimism is based on one's own thinking. Hey, I'm just gonna think good thoughts and everything's gonna turn out well. I'm gonna sing Annie's song, tomorrow, tomorrow, There's always tomorrow. I mean, hope is different. It's deeper. It is a biblical concept. It is believing that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so I'm gonna ask you this question as we start this message this morning. What's going to turn things around for you with whatever you've experienced in your past? What's it gonna take to heal your heart? What's it gonna take to heal your marriage, your family, your finances, your vocation? You see, when I got ready to start LifePoint Church 28 years ago, okay? Really a little more than that, about 30 I came here, but but a pastor says, George, you're gonna have church one day and you have one of two choices. You can either play at being a pastor or you can be a pastor. You can either play at having a good church or you can have a good church. I want to ask you this as we start this year off. 
Are you going to play at having a good life? Or are you going to have a good life? What's it going to take to heal you of your hurts from your past? Because the reality is we've all been injured. 3,000 years ago, God came to a guy, a king named Solomon, who said, and gave him a promise. And this promise wasn't just for Solomon. Truly, it was a promise for all people. And it's in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, where God come to him and says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them. Have you ever been in a relationship where you know you're not being heard? With your relationship with God, you feel like your prayers are just kind of bouncing off the ceiling? God says, I will hear your prayers and I will forgive you. And here's the big one, I will heal you. In that verse is the secret of having a better life in 2017. And it's a promise. It's not a promise for everybody. It's a promise for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. It is a promise of people who claim the name of Jesus. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek me, who will turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them and I will forgive them and I will heal them. It's for the people of God. God says, I'll do three things. I'll hear, I'll forgive, and I'll heal. Now, here's the deal, though. With every promise, there's a premise. There are some conditions. There are some requirements that you and I must meet. But God up front says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I will hear your prayers. I will forgive you, and I will heal your land. Do you need healing in your life? I don't know about you, but I do. (laughs) I need physical healing for almost all of last year. Relational, vocational, spiritual, emotional, mental. God says, if my people who are called by my name, if they will just do these four things, if they will just humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face, and if they will turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their prayers, I will forgive them, and I will heal them. So there are four things that we see that we need to do if we wanna turn 217 into a better year than 216. And the first one is simply this, we must confess with humility. You see, why is this so important? Because folks, it's the source of all of our problems. Every single problem that you have, that I have in our our lives is because we think we know better than God. We think we know what will make us happy better than God will. And it's that attitude truly that disconnects us from God personally, relationally with others, and corporately, maybe as a church or as a community. And it's this attitude that begins to bring problems into our life. James in 4, 6 said it like this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That means that every time that I'm prideful, 
God comes to me and says, George, I want you to know something. You're on the opposite side of me on this. You see, God hates pride. Pride is what kicked, pride is what caused the devil to be kicked out of heaven. In fact, it's pride, folks, that'll keep you from even entering into heaven. And don't think that if you wait to the last part of your life that you'll just give your life over to Jesus and then you're heaven bound. Because the reality is, folks, I've been in situations like that where this person is on their deathbed and their pride has prevented them from just receiving salvation, eternal life. God hates pride and the source of that pride, you know what it is? What's the middle letter of sin? I. What's the middle letter of pride? I, I wanna be my own God. And God says, that's the root of all your problems. And the Bible says that God resists that, that he, he resists the proud. I don't know about you, but I would not wanna get into a boxing ring and have a duke out with God because God's arms are longer than my arms. God resists the proud. He's gonna fight against it. But on the other hand, James says, he gives grace to the humble. What is grace? It's the desire and power to do God's will. It is the desire to change the hurts that you and I have into, in, in our lives. It is, the, it is the power to change in order to, to gain health and wholeness and healing in our life. And that's what we long for, do we not? We do that. One of the reasons that you and I live in Collin County is we like the imagery of success, don't we? We do. That's why... I was talking with one of the state representatives, Jeff Leach. By the year 2030, this place will be 3.1 million people. Right now, we're about 1.5. Can you imagine that? People are moving here because of the imagery of success, and it's because they want it. Well, Solomon speaks to this. He, in Proverbs 28, 13, he says, if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and re reject them, you will receive mercy. You see, like I said, everyone wants success, but the secret to it is don't hide your sins. You see, when are we as a culture going to learn that cover-ups always are worse than the sin? When are we gonna learn that cover-ups, uh, uh, covering up our mistakes turn into scandals. Did we not see that on TV this past year? Things that were really insignificant, but because they were covered up, shaboom. You see, if you hide, you're not humble. If you can't tell yourself, you know what, I was wrong. If you can't tell God, if you can't tell others, you know what, I was wrong. What I did really was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. I went, I went down the wrong path. Then you're not humble. Truly, the first step of any kind of healing, whether it's emotional or vocational or, or mental or, or uh, relational, whatever, is that you and I have got to come to God and we got to say, God, you know what? I just blew it. The starting point of any kind of healing in our life is to move out of denial through confessing. And as we confess, you know what happens? God shows mercy. He holds back what we rightly deserve and he gives us what we don't deserve. And so here's what I would suggest is that you make a sin list. That you sit down in your easy chair when no one is around because you don't want your spouse looking over your shoulder. What is that about? 
You don't want to leave it on the coffee table where the kid says, Daddy, what's this? You get by yourself and you make a sin list where you write out your attitudes that you know that aren't the best and your actions that have come from those attitudes. You write them out. And after you've written them out, then you talk to God verbally about it, not just in your mind, but verbally. And you say, God, this attitude right here was wrong. (laughs) I blew it here. God, this action that came from that attitude, (laughs) it was wrong. I I blew it here. Why do I suggest that? It's because what goes through the lips and the fingertips becomes clearer and more specific. By doing that, you are keeping a short account with God because most people think, hey, God and I, we're really tight when everything isn't right. And so you open up and you confess to God. And when you and I do that, he shows his mercy. You see, when we confess, God forgives. But we need more than just forgiveness in our life, folks. We need healing. We need healing. And that comes when you and I confess or open up to at least one other person. It may be a counselor. It may be a very close friend. It may be someone in your small group. But you open up and you tell them, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Will you pray with me and will you pray for me? James in James 5, 16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Will you circle the phrase that's mentioned twice, each other? How many times have I said in the last 28 years at LifePoint, revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. God has wired the universe in such a way, folks, he's wired in such a way that you and I need one another. And so we admit We admit it to God and we admit it to at least one other person. And what God begins to do then is he begins the healing process. Now, this is not a strange thing. We do this when it comes to losing weight, don't we? I bring that up because not that we need to. But we do. We see the commercials, we get on board and we start telling people, hey, why? We need their support. Losing weight, if you, want to, if you want to lose weight, if you want a better financial portfolio, if you want a better marriage, if you want better relationships with your kids, you have to open up. And opening up, yes, it is humbling, okay? But it's the opposite of pride. And God says, I'm gonna heal you. What is it that you need healing in? God says this, if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves, if they will just confess with humility. Secondly, he says, to pray with tenacity. If you want healing in your life, your finances, your marriage, in your vocation, whatever, you must pray with tenacity. What is tenacity? It means that you pray with persistence, with determination, with diligence, with perseverance. It means that you pray and you pray and you pray. It means that you pray and you never give up. There's a story in the Bible about a guy named Jacob, kind of one of the forefathers of our faith, one of the sons of Abraham, okay? And and he has a wrestling match. We don't know whether it was with God or with an angel. It doesn't really matter. But in that wrestling match, he says, I am not letting you go. 
until you bless me. Folks, God likes that attitude. He likes that attitude where you, you come to God and say, God, I am not letting you go on this issue and that issue and on this issue until you bless me. The problem though in our prayer life is that, is that we, we, we give up too soon. We have shallow, superficial prayers. And so for that reason, we don't see answers. We don't. We have token prayers for whatever is going on in our life when there are titanic issues. Now you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, but Pastor George, I have talked with God about these things. Why hasn't he answered me the very first time that I did? Well, let me put it like this. What parent do you know that gives their kid something that they ask for the very first time? No good ones, that's for sure. There are some that do, just go to the mall and watch, okay? If you gave your kids everything that they asked for the very first time, guess what? They'd be spoiled brats. And you may be thinking that you're a good parent for doing so. You're not. We're gonna be learning this in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We have a good Father. There's even a song like that that we're gonna sing. We have a good father. He's not a genie in the bottle that you can rub it, out he pops, and he grants you your three wishes immediately as you say them. He is not some vending machine that you throw in a dollar and you pull the thing and out you, out, get, out, you get out what you put in. Like on a Sunday morning, I'm gonna give God 20 bucks. God, hear this prayer. God doesn't work that way. He is a good father. Well, Pastor George, are you telling me that I have to then do all this stuff just to convince God? No, I'm not saying that. God wants to answer your prayers. Well, then, Pastor George, why doesn't he answer it the first time I, I ask him? Will you write this down? It's to help you and I understand the difference between a genuine longing and a whim. Kids are notorious for wanting to say, I want, I want, I want. Have you ever been in a grocery store? Seen a kid go down the cereal aisle, I want this. And the parent says, no. As soon as that parent says, no, they, they drop that. I want this one instead. No, you can't have that. Well, I want this one over here. No. But a parent knows, by the way, a grandparent knows when they really, really, really want something because they never stop asking. I experienced that this Christmas. Every time I was together, Grandpa, I want an American Girl doll. Grandpa got her an American Girl doll because she asked again and again and again and again. It just wasn't some whim. whim. So let me ask you this as we begin to get into this year for reflection purposes, how serious are you about getting better this year? Of improving your life, of loving God. I mean, really being connected to him because we're gonna spend 40 days on this. It is worth doing where you know that you love God and you know that God loves you. How serious are you? Paul said in Colossians 4.2, be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayers, being alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. 
How do you become tenacious in your prayers? Let me suggest this, that you make a prayer list. Just like you make a sin list, you make a prayer list because a prayer list is nothing more than an outward, or an outward reminder of an internal request. And we're gonna help you with that this year. We're gonna create some things that you, that you will like, that you can either put in your pocket if you want to. It's nice enough that you can put it as a necklace. It's gonna take us time, but I want you to have a symbol, a reminder. And then if you allow us to give us your text, we're gonna text you just those times. Hey, this is it. Don't forget to pray. And you're gonna have this symbol there with your prayer requests on it. And we've already figured out a way on how that's gonna happen. Don't miss it. Now, why are we doing that? Because over 20 times in the New Testament, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. He's talking about being tenacious in our prayers. And so when we come, we pray with tenacity. And you know what we also do? We pray in the spirit. Well, what does that mean, Pastor George? That means you pray with all that God, you pray with, you pray with all that is in you by the Holy Spirit. You come to God and you say, God, I just want you to pray through me. There's some things that have been on my heart that I've gone into my prayer closet praying for my life, for my, my marriage, for my kids that I never even had in my mind. I said, okay, God, speak through me. And so you learn how to pray in the spirit. God, help me to pray the right things. Help me to pray the right way. God, help me to pray because I just don't wanna give lip service. I just don't wanna be one that's going, oh, God, just bless my life, will you? No, take a look at what this means in Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the spirit. How, what does that look like? At all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for all you need. Do, to do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. Will you circle all the alls and always? Pray at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for all that you need. Does that mean I can pray about my braces for my kids' teeth? Absolutely. A, a new car? Yes. A, a new house? Yes. A job? Yes. And then it says pray for all people. Come January 26th, I don't want you to miss this service because I wanna pray for every person in this church. I'm gonna have, it's nothing fancy, a little card in the bulletin. And I'm gonna ask you, if you've got courage to write your name, first name, maybe the whole name, maybe initials, or not at all, I don't care. You can put person X. But I want you to think through from now till January 2nd, because on January 23rd, I'm going into my prayer closet to pray for every person in this life, in this church, and I don't want it to just be a prayer of, oh, God, bless their life in, in this. No. I wanna know what to pray for you about because I want my love to grow for our church and I can't think of a better way. And so for those six weeks, I'm praying for every person in this church specifically. So will you journey with me on it? You make a list and you pray with tenacity. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 18, I want you to keep praying and not give up. Folks, you and I have a choice in 2017. You can either keep praying, and I hope you make this symbol and you carry it in your pocket and you allow me to send you a little text message. Don't forget to pray because you can either keep praying or you can 
give up. God said, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, I'll begin the healing process. And then the third thing he says is seek my faith, face. And the third key to healing is that we must seek God in ten, in, with intensity, okay? This is not just some pastime thing. This is not just something that we do casually. No, it is our primary focus. And why do we do that? Because we want God's rewards on our life, don't we? We want God's blessings in our life. Folks, we live in a very affluent area and we have, I would say, blessings that we have gone after and produced ourselves. And you would say, well, how do I know that? Because those things that you and I pursue and then we say, we gotta have this, this is a blessing. We, they are maybe for a season, but then they turn like sour grapes in our mouth. You see, the rewards and the blessings of God are just the opposite. The Bible teaches that the blessings of the Lord make rich and he adds no sorrow to it. But that only happens as you and I seek earnestly, intensely after him. Take a look at Hebrews 11, verse six here. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Will you circle the word earnestly? That's with intensity. That means it's a serious pursuit. 20 years ago when my back was good, I, I, I played all the sports, okay? After back surgery, psh, hardly any. I just walk, walk at the mall. You've probably seen me there, okay? But I used to play basketball and baseball and tennis and, and, and golf. I, and the culture that we live in, people would come up to me, George, you play golf? And I said, well, no, not really. I mean, I do, but I play at golf. Those of you who are amateurs, you know exactly what I'm talking about here, right? Okay. Why did I say that? Why do we say that? Because we haven't been willing to put in the time and the energy to really be good at playing golf. We got a golf professional at our church, you know, Gary Dennis. We got a, a, we've got, we truly have a international world-class tennis pro in our church, Philip Farmer. I see him all the time. And these guys are pros, why? Because they were willing to put in the time to become that way. Do you know what God wants from you more than anything else in 2017? He wants you to seek him with intensity. God says, I want to have a knee-to-knee, -knee, a face-to-face -face relationship with you every day. And he says, if you and I will just do knee-to-knee -knee and face-to-face -face with God every day, and it doesn't take a lot of time, but every day, knee-to-knee -knee and face-to-face, -face, God says, you will be wise and you will understand what the purpose of life is. Truly, most people don't understand what the purpose of life is. That's why they seek fame and fortune. That's why they seek pleasure and possessions. They seek fun and experiences in their life because they don't understand what the purpose of life is, that it really is about God and our relationship with him. They don't understand that in pursuing that relationship, that somehow, someway, all those things that we seek to pursue after are connected, but they're connected through God. David in Psalms 14 says that the Lord is looking over all of humanity that he might find one person who really understands and who is wise, who seeks after the Lord. 
I want to ask you this question. I, I, I want to challenge you. Will you be that person this year? Will you be that marriage this year? Our, my wife and I, we've already started. God, we're, we're, we're earnest about this, God, and we have committed time and a lifestyle. God, we're going to do things different. And every morning we come together. Okay, God, here's what's going on in our life. Here's what's going on in our marriage. Here's what's going on in our family. Here's what's going on in our church. And we're coming to God. We want to be that person. Do you want to be that person? Do you want your marriage to be that marriage? Do you want your family to be that family where you come together as a family? God, where our family's going to be different. This year, we're not going to be like everybody else in a good way. God says, if you and I don't do that, he says, you don't understand. You see, how do you and I do that? Seek God with intensity. Let me give you two things practically. One, you make him first priority and you make him your daily passion. You make him first priority. And when I say first priority, I mean the very first thing. I mean the very first thing when you get up. It is a knee-to-knee and a face-to-face conversation with God. Folks, I don't talk to God. I talk to God before I talk to anybody else about my day. I listen to God before I listen to anybody else about my day. You make God first priority because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, if you seek my kingdom, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I will give you all these things. Folks, all the things that people spend all their time worrying and stressed out about, God says, you don't have to worry about them if you understand and pursue me because I am the author of it all. And so you make God your first priority, but you also make him your daily passion. Take a look at Deuteronomy 4. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress, have you had a distressful 2016? When you are distressful and all these things have happened to you, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him for he is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you. Folks, he will heal you. And so you confess, you pray, you seek. And then the last one, the Bible says is that you and I turn from our wicked ways. What does that mean? That means that we repent. And when we repent, we repent with sincerity. If you want healing in your life, I don't care, physical, emotional, relational, vocational, across the board, you and I must repent with sincerity. Repentant, repent from the Greek is metanoia. It means to turn or flip one's mind. It means to change one's perspective, one's mind about something. So what is it that we need to change? We're gonna get into this in the year of hope. We'll touch on it in, in, in the love series, but mostly in hope. We need to maybe change the way we think about ourselves or the way we think about God or the way we think about others. We need to change the way we, what we think think really matters in life, our values. We may need to change the way we think about our money, our past. Here's the big one. Maybe you and I need to change the way we think 
about talking to God, praying. Bible says prayer. I'm just like, hey, I want God to hear my voice every morning. Okay. Hey, God, we're in a relationship. I want to talk to you right now, okay? You see, in modern terms, uh, in modern times, we don't use the word repent. It's kind of an archaic word. What we use, I can remember in the early 2000s, was paradigm shift. Remember that word? Today, the word is transformation or an evolution in one's thinking. It, all it means is that you've changed the way you think about certain thing from this way to that way. Whatever you call it, folks, the word really is metanoia. And the Bible says if you want healing in your life, you must turn from your wicked ways. You see, in our world, there is real evil, is there not? There is. And there is real good that happens. And if you think about it, we're a mixture of both, aren't we? We're a mixture of good and bad. We're a mixture of right and wrong. We're a mixture of righteousness and unrighteousness. I hate to tell you this, but you probably already know that I'm not as good as I think I am, okay? You know that I'm not that good, okay? But I like to think that I'm good, okay? But I want you to know I'm not that good all the time. I don't always think of others and you. I don't always think of my wife. In fact, there are times when my wife asks me to do that. I've been married 42 years. I know what the response is. Yes, dear, and I do it. I'm doing it on the outside, but I'm not doing it on the inside. And then the two areas, very specifically, is making the bed. That is the most stupid thing to do in the world, okay? Whoever thought of that is really stupid, okay? Why? You're just gonna get back into it, you know, like 12 hours later or whatever. But my wife, she George, it really would help me if you'd make the bed every day. So guess what I do? I wake up early and leave now. <laughs> But the other thing is, is, now it's the shower. George, I hate cleaning the shower. You know, it would really help me if you had cleaned the shower every time. In fact, George, could you take a shower after me so that you can clean the shower and all the water droppings aren't there? I've been married 42 years. On the outside, yes, dear. On the inside, that is the most stupid thing in the world. Let the water just rinse the water. Who cares if there's soap everywhere mold starts to grow? Just don't step on it, Okay. Now, the truth is this, though. That's wicked. I don't know if you know what wickedness looks like, but Paul gives a good list in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to post these Greek words on there uh, and the definitions, but let me just read to you this. He uses 18 singular Greek words to describe wickedness. And then his last one, the 19th one, and I'm sure he could have gone on forever in one sense, but his ninth one, he uses a phrase. So let me read this. 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. People will love only themselves and be greedy for money. They will be boastful and arrogant, insulting God, rebellious against parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will enjoy slandering others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and will despise anyone and anything that is good. They will betray their friends and impulsively do foolish things. They will be inflated with self-conceit and love pleasure more than God. They will, and here's the last phrase, he, he uses multiple words in the Greek. They will claim to be spiritual, but will reject the power that God, that, that could make them godly. 
Paul uses 18 different words to describe wickedness. And then the last one he uses is a phrase. And that last phrase is something like, you know what, there are people who claim to be spiritual, but they have denied the power, the very power to help them be godly. Have you ever heard of fake news? Fake news is news, and it really isn't news, but it's news without objective proof. A lot of the news that you and I listen to on the radio or on, it's just speculation. There's no proof. Well, can I say this? There's a lot of fake spirituality out there. You ask a person, or they say, hey, I'm spiritual. Well, do you read your Bible? No. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? No. Do you worship together with other believers? No. Do you, are you in any kind of biblical community where you're encouraging, supporting, maybe doing a little Bible study type thing? No, but I'm spiritual. No, you're not. You have no objective proof. Now, I know oftentimes people will say that people in the church are hypocrites, and guess what? I know I am. I'm the biggest hypocrite of all. And maybe you think the same way about yourself, but here's the deal. At least we're here. At least we're here. And we're saying, God, I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to talk to you about these things. I'm willing to seek your face so that I know how to do them the right way. I'm willing to turn from my wicked ways. Folks, the church doesn't have a corner on hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is everywhere. It is in sports. It is in media. It is in entertainment. It is in business. It is in government. The church doesn't have a corner on hypocrisy. It's everywhere. And people claim to be spiritual. And yet it's nothing more than fake spirituality. You see, this list that Paul wrote, you know what it describes? It describes the 21st century in which you and I live in. And if Peter were here today, he would give you and I the same message that he, that he gave to his generation in Acts 3, 19. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Will you circle the word refreshing? Folks, we desperately need refreshing. We need times of refreshment. We need times of renewing. We need times of recommitment. Folks, we need that as a country. We need that in our own hearts. We need it personally, and we need it relationally, and we need it corporately. And that is why this next year, we set our rudder, our compass due north. God, we're gonna start with our motives, and we're gonna be people who have pure motives that are out of love, where we're loving you and you're, we know you love us and where we begin to love each other, our relational world, and as we love our community. God's got a great year in store for us. And so let me just say this as we close. Can I encourage you to pray one or two prayers? 
If you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ, folks, we live in the South, and a lot of people, you know, I'm a spiritual person, and it's a new year, maybe I ought to go back to you. Seriously. Maybe you need to get serious with God and say, God, I want to admit some things to you, and I do believe, and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you commit your life to him. Don't start 2017 without God in the center of your life. And if you've prayed that prayer, then I would encourage you this, to pray a prayer of healing. God, I've been injured. And I want to recommit to walking humbly before you, of talking with you every day, of seeking your face morning, every morning, knee to knee, face to face, and turning sincerely from things I know just aren't the best for me. Let's pray. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but maybe you need to get God in the center of your life. You've known about God. You've played at being a Christian. You've played church. You've given him a little bit of your spare time. But today, you know you need to do business with God. Will you just come to him in a simple way, God hears the simple prayers in our hearts. And just say this, God, I admit I'm full of pride. And I see it here and here and here and here. But I believe that you are a God of mercy. I believe that you came, you lived the perfect life. You died, rose again to demonstrate that what you said you would do, that you would show mercy, that you would forgive, that you would heal. And so right now, God, as much as I know how, with as much as I understand in my mind and heart right now, I say yes to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what I have in you. Thank you that this year, because you're at the center, things are gonna be different. Will you let me know that if you prayed that prayer? On your connection card, just write your name, maybe an email address, and write the letter A and circle it saying, I've accepted Jesus, standing for accepted Jesus. Maybe this year, you've done that, I don't know, maybe you did that five years ago, last week, whatever. Will you come to God and say, God, I, I need healing. I've been hurt. And I know things, well, they're just stewing in me. And I want it to be better next year. So God, help me. Help me to be one who's open, transparent. Help me to be one who talks to you. Help me, God, to be one who seeks after you. Not in a flippant way, but God, in an earnest way. God, help me with all that's within me to turn. Thank you, God. Thank you for the promises that give me power. Thank you for the promises that help me understand your presence. Thank you for the promises, God, that give me hope. And so, God, I give you this. Lord, we thank you. It's a new year, and I'm, I'm so excited, God. I'm pumped. Be in our year, God. We give you this. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.